this is Jeff Combs. You're listening to Nightmare Junket. Get a job at a sideshow. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that loves a good lunch buffet. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we continue our month-long panic attack as we talk to a few of the filmmakers and film fans from this year's Panic Film Festival. And you don't need to be eating the especially runny bread pudding to listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your dispatch hole. And if you are wondering the buffet that is social media, you can find us out on Twitter. Uh, we're on Nightmare Junk, and of course, we're on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead, and it is on the book of face where... The tab formerly known as Shenanigans. So, it, But Shenanigans will return. Ideally, Shenanigans will return, and uh, as this episode is going to be released on Friday, April 17th, We'll see how things are out and about. And if events do pop up, they will show no, up on show the tab. The tab. Uh, but ultimately, as well, make sure you're checking out a few Patreon plugs. As we, I don't know, should be Patreon plugs, Patreon promos. We got to figure out a nice way to. Yeah. Pa- our Patreon pals. Patreon pals. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, you can be a pal of Patreon, especially over with our buddies, our pals at Screenland, uh, patreon.com slash Screenland, where they are offering up good quality content. Now, hopefully, maybe by the time this episode releases, we're back in the theater. Right. But if we're not... You can still help them out. A lot of goods, and not only help them out, but also get some good quality content in return. Absolutely. And speaking of good quality content return, check us out over at Patreon as well. Uh, at least okay content. Yeah. <laughs> Mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> well, Decent. We, we have multiple <laughs> tiers if you would like to contribute. And again, anywhere from $1 a month to $10 a month, mm-hmm. you will be getting something. It'll be a Patreon pal. Be a Patreon pal over there. And if you're not, continue to enjoy the quality content we provide for you free over here. Exactly. Absolutely. Be part of the film family one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of film family here, ultimately, this is our Panic Fest dispatch episode. Oh, man. Panic Fest was so much fun. We talked. I didn't... When putting everything together, we've... And not including the ones, the dispatches that we did here, you Mm -hmm. know, we probably did up to about 10 of them. Yeah. Which was... Wow. We were busy. And then that led right into March Madness. Again, from Madness to Panic. Yeah. Ultimately, the in February and March, you know, and technically at this point, hopefully, ideally in April as well. Yeah, we'll go from women in horror madness to panic mm-hmm. because we not only got good content, but we talked to and made some really good friends. Oh, absolutely, and we learned to don't fuck with Frida. No, you, you never f with Frida. <laughs> <laughs> well, as it is, ultimately, we are going to be. Uh, we've got four dispatches, and were you going to call them what? Uh, uh, no, no. I was thinking for. I was trying to figure out what to do with the like all up oh, in your. Oh, that's right. That's all up in we, your vignette hole. But then, then, like, you, you didn't say dispatches, and I'm like, well, they're just dispa- okay. All up in your dispatch hole. But I didn't know you were going with the lunch buffet and fucking runny ass bread pudding. And so now it's like that's a different kind of dispatch altogether. That's a different vignette, <laughs> yeah. quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, with a terrible bouquet. Well, we we ultimately have four different conversations. We've got a conversation with filmmakers from Beyond the Woods. Mm-hmm. We've got conversations 
Wars with the folks from the Vice Guide to Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. We have a spoilerific conversation with the folks behind Peckerhead. Uncle Peckerhead. Uncle Peckerhead. And yeah. as, as you know from last week's episode with when we did our uh, recap with Adrian, that was the one you gushed over. Oh, man. So we had to hear you. You get to genius, you know, converse with them, mm-hmm. with, which is fantastic. And then we're closing, thing out, uh, closing everything out with the Chronic Guide to Horror which is a Dread Central sponsored YouTube show. Chronic Horror is dope. Chronic Horror, Chronic Horror is, there we go. Chronic Horror is dope. Aha, and so like the funny. fact that like we're now showcasing these off before they got really started cuz I know like as of now Beyond the Woods is still touring the mm-hmm. festivals and doing its thing. Um Chronic Horror has got a couple of episodes in and I've been able to catch them and they've been pretty dope. I think they're on season 2 at this point. Yeah, so like yeah, so it's good to like look back and see it while they're still hot. So Absolutely. Yeah. And it's always it's it's tough to sit on these for so long. Yeah, it really really is cuz there's some good stuff and like good memories. Abs- but uh, yeah, memories the, made at Panic Fest. Exactly. And if you need another reason to help uh, you know the Screenland Patreon that's it yes I want more memories made yeah we want to keep panicking through Screenland as well absolutely so no check these out and again we always have them plug and promote their wares so follow them help support us while we're in the midst of this absolutely and as always enjoy it stay stay safe and don't panic or do panic Welcome back. Genius McGee up here, still in the Vendor Love of Doom, having a ball here at Panic Fest, full on panic mode. And one of the coolest things to talk about here at Panic Fest is not only you get to do a lot of interaction and see some very cool movies, but you get to interact with some of the people who make some very cool movies. Now, we are about to talk to a writer, director, and producer of a movie, Beyond the Woods. Please welcome, first time on Nightmare Junkhead, Braden DeMorest Purdy. Hello, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, dude. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. How's your Panic Fest going so far, man? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Panic Fest is everything you hope for in a film festival as a filmmaker. And nice. they just really care about the filmmakers here. And it's just amazing to watch movies all day. Is this your first time in KC? It is, yeah. What do you think? I love it. And the the barbecue here is really, really good. <laughs> I'm from Canada, so maybe the barbecue isn't as good. And we're not really known for barbecue, but... Um, I think uh, the food here is really great. The people are super kind and welcoming, and uh, it's just been a great experience so far. Excellent. I'm so glad you came, man. Is this your first time in the States? Or? Uh, no, I've been to the States many times, Yeah, uh, more so like L.A. and Florida and New York, but mm-hmm. uh, this is my first time in, in the mid- middle of the States. Here. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Welcome to the Midwest. Thank you. Thank you. So before we talk about the movie, where can we find you and the movie at on the socials? So I am Braden D. Purdy on Instagram, and then our film is Beyond the Woods Film, uh, both on Facebook and Instagram. Cool. So since the movies that we're just showing here at Panic Fest are like the first time a lot of people are seeing, especially here in the Midwest, mm-hmm. give us a quick synopsis of Beyond the Woods. Sure. So it's a period piece that takes place in the year 1993, and we follow this interrogation of our detective, who is under the investigation of um, finding this character, Jack Rogers. And so we go through this whole um, 
perspective from our protagonist or antagonist, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he takes us through his side of the story of certain events that unfold, um, that kind of really play with the truth and, and, and what's real and what's not real. And, and really it's a, it's a search um, for this one character and all these different elements of the cold and the forest and really um, battling um, whether yeah. things are real or not. Yeah. So where did an idea like that come from? Where, what, like, you know what? I need to write this down. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. And it's, it's a really dark story. So when people ask me, did you make this up? And I have to kind of say yes. To the thing <laughs> and kind of Did they take like a step back and kind of smile <laughs> yeah, and nod like, away? How, like, uh, like, you seem like a, a nice guy. Like, what, how did this come out of your brain? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> oh, man. Um, but what I really, what I really love in film as a filmmaker and as a film watcher, uh, I really love these dark, gritty stories that kind of make you think and take mm-hmm. you on this psychological journey. And so, what I really wanted to do with this film was take this audience um, and make them change their perspective on things or make them kind of question what they are thinking initially, and mm-hmm. then take them on this whole journey. Um, so I just really wanted to find a story that I I could do that with. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um, what are some of your influences, especially coming to this movie, for mm-hmm. like not only the tone, the look, the aesthetics? What were something like 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 I want to do something a little like this, mm-hmm. a little dash of this, something like that? Like what was speaking to you? Uh, well, first and foremost, I'm a huge fan of Christopher Nolan. Um, mm-hmm. He's someone I aspire to be, and I I love superheroes. I love sci-fi. I love psychological thrillers, and he really um, does all those really perfectly. Um, and so I really wanted to aspire to create something like that and and have that kind of stamp on it mm-hmm. um but also i love the film prisoners with hugh jackman and jake gyllenhaal and i really love the the realism of that and and kind of playing with those tones of of mis- mystery and not going over the top of um maybe fantasy so i really like the realism of things mm-hmm. and, and making something hey this could happen in this world even though yeah. it's a crazy story um, so those are those are really the two inspirations I had for for this film. Is that the type of movies and genre that you personally gravitate towards, or do you like something a little bit more like far fetched or like what kind of? Uh, I I like a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. um, but I do really gravitate towards more so like the psychological thrillers, yeah, the things that make you really think. Or I love sci fi, but I like the sci fi that's also psychological and makes you think or i mean i, I kind of like heady sci-fi yeah yeah uh, but i do I, I i love star wars and I, I love star trek and i love like those adventure films as well but uh i do gravitate towards more like the the darker psychological yeah. stuff well i was looking and you got a fucking dope sleeve of like the millennium falcon the oh, x-wing yeah. <laughs> so yeah thank you thank you that's very cool so <laughs> it's very funny to see like someone with like all the tattoos going to like a very psychological mm-hmm. grounded in reality yeah. thriller and then yet we still love like robots and space yeah. going pew 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 exactly so, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the great thing i like well-rounded yes yeah. well-rounded yeah thank you um so uh before we go, because we got a couple more things we're going to do, I'm gonna, we're going to go see some movies. We're going to have a lot yep. of fun. Um, little, what do you have coming up next? Do you have any irons in the fire? I'm developing a couple films right now. Uh, yeah. So I'm developing another psychological thriller similar to, not similar to, but the same kind of tones of Beyond the Woods, like that very dark, make mm-hmm. you think film. Uh, and then I am developing uh, a war film that takes Ooh. place in Warsaw, Poland. Um, oh. Back 
um, in World War II era. So mm -hmm. that's that's a big one for me that I'm developing right now and yeah. taking taking my time to do so to do it right. Um, and I also always wanted to do like a hard gangster film. So yeah. I'm uh, looking into writing that right now as well. And I think those are uh, war movies, not so much, but gangsters. You definitely don't see a lot of like gangster films yeah. anymore. Yeah. Like quality gangster films. Yeah, I agree. And I think and there's a lot of good stories that would be told there. Yeah, and I think having like the, the, the darkness to it that I gravitate to, but also kind of putting my own spin on a gangster film, I, I just love the opportunity to do that. So. Yeah. Um, so aside from like gathering the money and the resources, yes. what is one of the most difficult things on your own personal journey of being a director? Um, and a writer and a producer. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's always the number one answer, but, um, I would, I would say just the hustle of it, like uh -huh. always making sure that you can promote your film and start working on something else and keep the ball rolling. And I mean, I love doing it and it doesn't feel like I work a day in my life, fortunately, but, um, it is, it is very time demanding. Like it's very like fly to this state, fly to that state, fly to this country, travel here travel there try to get just try to do so much all the time and and it's it's it has a payoff but it's also um demanding on on your mental state and your physical state so yeah that i would imagine yeah. like especially with the amount of hats that you have to wear mm -hmm. i mean because you see like director talking about like yeah this was hard this was hard this is hard and producers like this was hard this was hard this is hard yeah. writers this is hard this is hard, this yeah, is hard. Yeah, yeah. and now you're like Writer, producer, director. This is hard. This is hard. This is yeah. hard. This is extremely hard. But kudos for you for putting something cool out there. Thank you know, you, putting you. out there in the ether. And I can't wait for you guys out there to check it out. So one more time, where can we find more information about you, your upcoming projects, and yep. Beyond the Woods? Uh, so Instagram is a big one for me, Braden D. Purdy. Um, and then for the film, it's Beyond the Woods Film on Facebook and Instagram as well. Brain, it was a wonderful to meet you and talk to you. Oh, it's an honor to be here. Hope you keep you so having much. fun here at Panic Fest. Yeah, you too. And hope to talk to you again later on. Yeah, yeah so, thanks so much. Speaking of talking later on, this is going to be it for right now for the Panic Fest dispatch for this point. But we'll be back. We got a lot more coming up. We still got Joe Lynch to talk with about hardware and the game show on Monday night. So, a lot of cool stuff coming up. So, definitely check out everything here at Panic Fest. Check out Brain, check out Beyond the Woods. And until I see you next time, this is Genius McGee, and I'll be right back. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Welcome back to the Vendor Loft of Doom. I'm soloing it. I'm lone wolfing it with Genius McGee here. Uh, Greg had to go walk the doggies. You know the doggies is important. But um, the panic still goes on. So we are here. <laughs> so if there's one thing that I, in my heart of hearts, knows what happens if I go into the wilderness is I will be attacked by a Sasquatch. For like, sure. I know that's what's going to happen. Also... Um, an interesting thing, there's this fun documentary from Vice mm -hmm. um, all about it. And we are here with the director. We are here with Zach Lamblu with The Vice Guide to Bigfoot. Yeah, Zach, how you doing? Up? Welcome to the show, man. How are you? Fantastic. 
first of all, uh, tell us where we can find you on the socials. Please plug and promote away. My name is Zach Lamplew. It's hard to spell. Uh, so I guess I'm going to leave it on you guys to figure that out. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you just Google Vice Guide to Bigfoot, like all of our info will come up, and you'll find my website with my email and all that kind of shit. Uh, I'm on Twitter. It's Secret Grandpa. Secret Grandpa? Secret Grandpa. Also spelled G-R-A-M-P-U-H. See, I'm just so bad at this shit. And I think I'm on Instagram with, like, Pimp Pirate. All this stuff is, <laughs> this is just, you know, whenever, like, someone has an email that's, like, I'm, like, Skater Dude 87 at AOL, and they just never change it. Right. Yeah, I'm like that. So <laughs> Pimp Pirate's kind of dope because now it's like, yar, after that booty, you know? Exactly, so. <laughs> yeah. Pimp Pirate, baby. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Vice Guide to Bigfoot. How, what got you into uh, squatching and, like, why Bigfoot? I mean, I am super cool with Bigfoot. I remember back in the day getting those, like, Time Life um, Mysteries of the Universe books. Yeah. And, like, reading the Bigfoot chapter continuously. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the Bigfoot mythology and where this movie came from. So this movie, um, we had made a bunch of shorts before uh, in, like, the comedy horror kind of vein, and uh, we wanted to make a movie. And we also had been down a road of, like, a bunch of cool emails before, like, a bunch of, like, like this person wants to develop a show, you got your shorts are really great or whatever, and then, like, it just kind of never happened. So we were like, we just need to make a movie. So we did that, and uh, no one had made a, like, a comedy horror that's also, like, a creature feature, or, like, like there hadn't been like a Bigfoot movie since like exists mm-hmm. and then legend of boggy Creek. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the Bobcat Goldthwait one, but there, it, but it's not very like well-tread territory. There's a lot of like zombies, yeah. a lot of vampires. And we were like, let's just, let's do like something different, you know, like Bigfoot. And we're also we're from Georgia. So we have a lot of woods at mm-hmm. our disposal and, um, and more Bigfoot enthusiasts than you'd think. That's something we found out making it that like more people believe in bigfoot than you think and 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 they come out of the woodwork when you start working on something like this was there one uh, like a surprise one like you like there's no way that like this the mayor of or this celebrity or whoever uh is there anybody that's like a celebrity celebrity squatcher no, I mean, well, Bobcat Goldthwait is yeah. one, but he didn't talk to us about it. But uh, but one was one that was like surprising. Like I did not expect this guy. Well, all right, no. So I'll tell you a funny one. It's not unsurprising though. But uh, when we were making this, one of the guys who let us use his land for part of the filming, um, he uh, we knew he was into Bigfoot. He had like a ton of Bigfoot memorabilia and stuff like that, and. He, we were filming on his land, and I was like working the camera, and I was like doing some other stuff. But he started talking to uh, our actors, and he was like, he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I really like Bigfoot. Bigfoot's real, and all this stuff. And then he was like, well, and you know why we haven't seen him yet? It's because he's a trans-dimensional being, and that's why no one's ever caught him. And they were like, what? And he was like. Yeah, it's because he shifts in and out of the different dimensions, and uh, uh, yeah, which is 
that's the thing I found out about this is there's like a lot of different levels of Bigfoot because some people are just like it's a monkey we haven't found him yet it's kind of like giant squids and then some people are like no he's also a shapeshifter who travels through time <laughs> and it's like why why are we bringing e- extra layers into this he also killed Lincoln yeah exactly uh, yeah so all he's the... an aberration right it's like of the time space time folding in on itself i could just picture like like bigfoot as some interdimensional like rick and morty-esque he's got like the portal gun solving mysteries and shit i think that's what he was thinking which was (laughs) at least unique you know uh i you know what i don't know if you ever have plans for a sequel but i would watch that movie interdimensional bigfoot yeah, it's yeah. like Terminator, but Bigfoot comes out of the portal. Uh, come with me if you want to squatch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have to go on a mission together. Yeah. That'd be dope. To save um, the Chupacabra. Yes. So, <laughs> so, so this is not just a, vice, uh, a guide to Bigfoot. This is the vice guide to Bigfoot. Yeah. How did Vice get in, in play? To this? Oh, they're not. <laughs> they're not at all. <laughs> We're gonna probably get sued. I don't know. There, we didn't. We didn't talk to anybody about it. Uh, unless that makes you want to watch the movie. If that makes you want to watch the movie, people love big brands and famous people. In which case, Vice made it, and um, Robin Williams is in it. So, like, come check it out. It's got all the shit you like. Yeah. So, what got you into Bigfoot? Um. I mean, like I said, we were just kind of looking for something that would be like a throwback to kind of like Creature of the Black Lagoon or something like that. Um, but found footage, comedy, uh, and yeah, I mean, like we we live in Georgia, so we because you know, like it would be weird for us to do vampires. Mm-hmm. It's not really specific to the region or to the woods or anything like that. It so we were like, let's just do like Bigfoot, and also. Reading about it, it's really interesting how many people are into Bigfoot. Yeah, like within like a couple weeks of like we like made an outline and then we were like, so we're gonna definitely go ahead and do this. And like one of my friends reached out to me and was like, oh, my friend like goes and does research and does like expeditions. We met like so many people that are like, oh yeah, on, on the weekends, yeah, I mostly do like Sasquatch stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any like uh, Bigfoot stories? Me? No. Uh, I just don't go out in the woods as much as other people. But, man, it was. we went to a Bigfoot festival for this and uh, saw the cool footprint or the foot casts and everything, the hands and everything. Like, there was a guy who had, they were from Florida, I think, that had, like, hands, feet, the whole nine yards, everything. It was pretty cool. Pretty neat, yeah. That's super cool. Yep. That's amazing. So, what you what? Uh, what do you have? If you were to give somebody an advice, if they want to go looking into like looking for Bigfoot, okay, what's a good like starter kit that they should have? Don't Sorry, leave, don't go cool. squat, don't go squatching without it. A good starter kit, um, just a handle of booze. Now, uh, <laughs> I mean, it seems like these guys have like like it's it's all about just getting way outside of the city it seems like it's 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 mostly camping uh-huh yeah it seems like it's mostly camping but then then they they know how to like read the woods yeah you know what i mean like they have glyphs that they look for and rocks balanced in certain ways and things like that yeah 
it's I, I would say it's mostly internet research. That's most of the prep yeah. you're gonna do. Is yeah. So it's not uncommon for filmmakers to make things that they don't like really believe in. I mean, like you can make a zombie movie. And we know zombies don't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. Were you a believer in Bigfoot before this started? And are you still, or did your so opinions change? I wasn't, and then I saw some cool stuff. Cause man, like these, 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 not in person. Yeah. Not like I didn't walk out of my freaking townhouse. <laughs> yeah. My condo in Atlanta. Um, no, I. So there, there was a guy who, uh, another Bigfoot expert who we got in contact with, who uh, actually read the script early on, and I was just trying to make sure everything was like accurate, mm-hmm. not to like you make us sound like jerks, and. Uh, he was just giving me notes in the script, and I was like, what do you think if I change this scene? And he was like, oh, yeah, let me call you, by the way. And then he called me. It had nothing to do with the script. He was just like, there was this new evidence. You need to check this out. And, like, talked to me for, like, 30 minutes about the new evidence, which was uh, is actually kind of crazy. So they had this it's a documentary called The Great North or The Great White North or something. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like a nature documentary. It has nothing to do with Bigfoot. It's like Planet Earth or something. And uh, in the in the background, there's something moving, and the filmmakers didn't know what it was either. Like it, no one even noticed it till it came out. It was like in theaters or whatever, and like Bigfoot people were like, "I think that's Bigfoot in the background." And then people were like, like like some people on the internet were like, "It's not Bigfoot. It's probably just one of the filmmakers." And the filmmakers were like, "We didn't have anybody over there. Like that's that that'd be insane." To, it was behind a stampede of like antelope or something Mm -hmm. and they were like we wouldn't just put a cameraman over there that'd be crazy dangerous and so there's this weird moving shadow that and it's large and it it looks just like um the 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 damn it like an asshole no not well zelinsky's the jfk right Uh, that's yeah there's a pruder what's the See, I always the get those main... confused. I always get the Zaputer tape and like some other tape. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, the Bigfoot one. Like, no, that's the JFK one. Ah, oh. I know. I sound like an asshole right now because I literally used the footage. Uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the you know the main one. Everybody knows. Yeah. Bigfoot turns around at the creek, and uh, Patterson Gimlet. That's their names. I was doing the same thing though. Patterson I was like Zaputer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. The it it looks it walks the same way. Too. Hmm. It, it's this weird anyway i'll send it to you i've sent it to a few people now where i'm like you gotta check this shit out man it's pretty cool that's the weirdest thing. and just the timeline too yeah. of like the fact that it came out with something unrelated to bigfoot and then even the director was like i don't know it could be a bigfoot i don't fucking know <laughs> could be yeah it's nature <laughs> shit that's funny yeah so what do you have next coming up coming up trying to make another movie mm-hmm. trying to make another one nice. yeah yeah trying to just do that do you gonna stick in the same vein of yeah, comedy like mockumentary found footage yeah i'd like to i'd like to um something similar did you get a chance to check it out yeah no, not, not? yeah okay. that's my coming up later on cool cool yeah, yeah i i'd like to do something similar you know similar yeah. in scope and more money and like that yeah. kind of shit but yeah i'd like to if people like it that's the thing is like this whole thing is like if people like it but at least we made it, and yeah, that's the thing is like if that was kind of the mission was like make something that feels like something I would make because then if people don't like it, they at least don't like me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then it's like okay, well they hate me, and I just need to quit. <laughs> Whereas I don't know. 
Anyway. Or, but, or Bigfoot. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe they just hate Bigfoot. That's what it is. That's what that, it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Or maybe like a Bigfoot one day is going to watch the movie and like, this is not like me at all. Exactly. Like, yeah. All pissed off. Sending cease and desists. Yeah. With the, like, just it the won't be from the... Vice. It's from Bigfoot. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. uh, Zach, thank you so much. Yeah. I thanks hope for... you're having a good panic fest, man. Yeah. It's been awesome. This is really cool. You guys seem to have a lot of uh, horror people up here in Kansas City. You got mm. a whole... Kansas City Horror Club and all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So very chill. It's a bit. It's a, a horror. Kansas City loves its horror, and so seems that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, thank, thank you talk, so much. Man. Where uh, one more time? Where can we find you out on the socials? Uh, Twitter. These again. It's all like, yeah, man. Hit me up on my Yahoo email fucking handle. <laughs> it's uh, uh, Pimp Pirate on Instagram, Secret Grandpa on Twitter. <laughs> You just go to my website. Go to ZachLamplew.com, and, like, there's, like, the trailer and all the other shit, and you can, like, see all about where to where to find information about us. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Definitely check out Advice Guys to Bigfoot. Um, I'll be back later on with some more Panic Fest Dispatch. Again, this is Genius McGee. Over and out for now. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And we are back with another Panic Fest dispatch from the Panic Film Festival here in the Vendor Loft of Doom, Screenland Armor. Two and a half days in at this point, genius panicking. Full on panic, man. Like my panic meter is like at red and it's just like wiggling. Is it like an EPK meter reading? Going off the charts there. Mm-hmm. Well, definitely something. If you know the show, you know we love us. Um, something plus horror gives us a genre. Something plus horror gives us a movie. Whether it's a killer noun, so a car plus horror gives a killer car. Now and now more than ever, I think we're seeing more weed plus horror. Have you seen that? Have, do you thinking you're starting to see that there, genius? I do, and like also not only that, but like I have been known to partake once in a while. And, like, sometimes just, like, chilling out, relaxing, and watching a horror movie elevated is just what the doctor ordered. Well, and whether you indulge in it or not, I think there is truly something for you with this Dread Central sponsored show. Please welcome to Nightmare Junket. He is the host of Chronic Horror, Josh Milliken. Hey, guys. Happy to be here. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How's it going, man? How's your Panic Fest been going so far? Panic Fest has been fantastic. It's my first time in uh, beautiful Kansas City. Uh, (laughs) I'm a California boy. Oh, this has uh, to be torturous for you at this point. Well, you know, I I didn't even think to check the weather. You know, you you live (laughs) in California long enough, most of your life, you think the whole world's like that. So luckily, I brought (laughs) enough layers, but uh, I I didn't even bring like a jacket. So it's been it's been chilling. I was gonna say, Literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, we can decipher you over the teeth chattering, so you seem to be doing well yeah. at this point, but no, it is appreciated. But before we get into all that, uh, tell our listeners where can they find you at on social media, plug and promote away. Yeah, uh, Chronic Horror is on YouTube on Dread Central's channel. So YouTube channel Dread Central, you'll find a playlist for Chronic Horror. It's also on the free Dread app. We have a, uh, a streaming video on demand app um has commercials in it but not too many it's pretty good we got a a really good catalog of 
classic new movies, a whole bunch of stuff from Charles Brand. And we're uh, doing some new short series like (laughs) Chronic Horror. And it's kind of a good transition because, listen, you know, I'm a white guy with a beard. I obviously have two podcasts. Genius, you know. You've got three at this yeah. point. <laughs> so the, the kind of the, the blog sphere, the actual video component of it, what, what, what chron- chronicle our journey with chronic horror? Where did it start? How did it come about? Yeah, sure. Well, um, you know, and this is no offense to podcasts or anything, but, you know, um, Dread Central was looking to expand our, uh, our reach, different forms of media. And I was asked if I had any ideas. And I said, well, yeah, how about a podcast? And uh, my producer said, there are hundreds of podcasts, you know, that already have huge followings. We can't be a new guy and try to be a great podcast. What else you got for me? And I'd had this idea for a while, you know, and um, I was a little nervous to even pitch it because I didn't know if, if this producer was uh, maybe an AA or maybe he's kind of square or something. But I said, hey, well, what do you think about a show that uh, sort of like uh, crosses the streams of horror movie fandom and cannabis culture? And there was just like a long pause. This was over the phone. And I'm like, oh, shit, did I just kill my career or something? You know? And uh, finally, he's like, well, what would you call it? And uh, at the time, I, I had this working title, High on Horror. And he's like, he's all, I like that. He's all that was pretty good. W- would you have like a, a culinary component to it? And I'm all sure. And he's like, all right, let's talk. So, you know, took it from there. And, um, you know, I never set out to have my own show. Or to be in front of a camera or, or, or a microphone even. I, I'm a journalist. I love horror. I love writing about horror. Um, so it, it's all brand new to me and, uh, you know, produced by Epic Pictures. Um, I was hooked up with a fantastic director, Hank Braxton, who directed Snake Out of Compton and Chemical Peel. So uh, a guy with, um, you know, definite horror sensibilities and he understood my vision you know, at first there was a lot of talk about like um, a Wayne's World aesthetic, and I was not down for that. To tell you the truth, I was like, "Look, I, you know, I, I already deal with the stoner stereotype enough as it is. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. like accentuate that." I said I wanted something a little classier. I said I wanted something that was creepy. You know, that had kind of like a haunted museum kind of feel. You know, I was you know kind of adamant. I was like, I'm no one stoner stereotype, and you know, <laughs> I'm I'm the face that you know and the name that this is gonna follow around for the rest of my life. So you know, and to to Hank and and Epic's credit, you know, every bit of input I've put in has been taken really seriously, and I'm really proud of the show. You know, we've got five episodes out right now, four more dropping next month. So I'm really excited. Nice. And I kind of I was going through the titles there, and I. I thought it would be some of your basic, like, you know, these are the films that are, you know, talking about, but you're talking about a lot of people within the culture and, you know, bringing in their love of what have you, be it movies or what have you. Uh, what has been kind of putting together, not in so much an audience, but reaching out to people like this, especially now that the culture, it's becoming less, you know, stigmatized, stigmatized yeah. for the most part? More legal. Well, you know, it has been a bit of a challenge, and I'll be completely honest. It's been a soft rollout so far. Um, everyone involved says the audience is there. We just need to find it. And, you know, like I mentioned before, I, I don't know how to market a show. You know, I'm learning. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, it's kind of like, so we put it out there, and word of mouth has definitely been decent. Um, we filmed a new episode that hasn't aired yet with Sadie Katz, who's in Wrong Turn 6, uh, Party Bus from Hell. So she's uh, really big in the horror community, and she had such a good time. Her, her episode hasn't even aired yet, but she had such a good time that 
she's been telling a lot of her friends in the industry. And now I'm starting to get interest from, um, you know, A-listers, and I think that's really going to help. But, you know, like you said, too, in in terms of the people I'm bringing in, I'm not just looking for horror actors or horror filmmakers. If you love horror and you love cannabis, you're you're probably a, a good candidate to be a guest on my show. And in addition to just being fun and goofy, I am trying to destigmatize, like you guys mentioned. Um, you know, because I can't tell you how many people, even in this day and age, even in California, I'm pitching the show and they're like, show sounds great. And I'm like, so do you want to be a guest? And they'll be like, well, I'm not ready to admit to people that I'm like, wait a minute, you're a grown up and it's legal and you're not willing to say you do something. Are you right. afraid to admit you have a right. beer from time to time? Why are you afraid to admit that you enjoy cannabis from time to time? So. It's been a little bit of a challenge, but I think now that the show has been released and people can see that this is pretty quality, that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not Wayne's world. It's, it's a real <laughs> talk show. It's, you know, I'm a real person and, uh, it's just been good times. Well, you talk about the production level and you, again, so many podcasts out there again, everyone has one, but you do see a lot of competing stuff out on YouTube as well. Um, and I think the biggest th- component is production value, good sound, mm-hmm. good editing. And that's the first episode I caught was crisp. And that's the one thing I think ultimately is it does separate itself because there's, uh, would you say it's almost like the democratization of film? Like almost everyone can put stuff out there now. Yeah, absolutely. And it totally saturates the market, you know, yeah, so yeah. it's, it's tough. And, and that's why, you know, when I when we first started the conversation, I was like, you know, nothing against podcasts. I love mm-hmm. podcasts, and I love what you guys do. But in terms of, you know, when we were thinking about let's do something new, let's get new audiences, it's kind of like there are just so many amazing podcasts yep. out there. Um, so, yeah, and I definitely think the, the component helps. You know, we have a, a real studio that we record in. Uh, we, we've got, you know, professional lights, a whole crew there. And I think that makes a difference. People can tell we're not just sitting in front of a green screen. Mm-hmm. We're not just in a garage somewhere. Um, you know, and, and I think that really adds to it. I, I call it the scare layer. It's kind of got this cabin <laughs> in the woods sort of look to it. And, uh, I really can't imagine doing it anywhere else at this point. I knew that ambiance, especially yeah, it helps. it's so important. And when you watch the show, it, it's subtle. You might not notice at first, but. You know, there, there's a little bit of a format. I'll interview my guest, and then we'll we'll smoke some cannabis. And after we smoke, we put these uh, green gels on the light, so everything gets kind of like you know, filter, nice mm-hmm. stony filter on everything else. And you know, like, like I was saying, there's a format, and just to let people know who haven't seen it yet, what we do is a little bit of an interview, some cannabis. I like to to tailor the strain and the method of imbibement to my guest. So, you know, might be some sativa, might be some indica. We might smoke it out of a bong. We might use a dryer pen. We, we might even take some edibles. Then before we watch a movie, um, we get some gourmet horror-themed munchies from the homicidal oh. homemaker, Casey Hansen. Casey, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, and we were really lucky to get her on the show uh, because she's got such a great following, and she's doing things for Facebook and Procter & Gamble right now, so... We just love having her on there. And then, you know, we watch a movie while imbibed. Exactly like Genius was saying, you know, sometimes the two just make a really great combination. Yeah. And that's kind of the point of chronic horror, too. It's like there's no real connection between horror movies and cannabis. I mean, th- there's cannabis and horror movies. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like you sure. were saying, uh, it, it's changing. Uh, the way it's represented is changing as it changes in society. But, you know, no, there, there's no direct crossover um, except that, 
if you choose a movie based on something you want to enjoy while imbibed, uh, I, I can hook you up. You know, I'm kind of like going to curate that experience for you. So we were talking earlier about the stigmas of like stoners and how you didn't want it to be a Wayne's World thing for the mm-hmm. longest time. Like, especially in the Friday the 13th movies, yeah. you see like, oh, man, that's heavy. And like, like fucking Jason's right there and they don't give a shit. Right. Do you find like as more people are coming around like saying, OK, it is legal and it's not as bad as like Big Pharma made it out to be. Do you find that like some of that stigma is going away or every now and then when you see like the dumb stoner in the movie, you're like, man, you're setting it back 10 years, right. you know? Yeah, I think I think it is going away. I mean, it's like a, I have really mixed feelings about the film Idle Hands, you know, because I love it. I love it. But at the same time, it's like, Anton, you are like the He's worst. Just- <laughs> you're giving us all a bad name. But no, uh, uh, yeah, the first the very first guest I had on Chronic Horror was Dylan Reynolds, and he directed the film 420 Massacre, which, you know, you hear the name, you think, okay, well, this is going to be another, whoa, dude. Yeah. Sort of thing. It's not. It's got a, a, an all-female cast, basically. They're all really strong, uh, capable females. There are uh, same-sex relationships that aren't portrayed in a salacious way. There's humor. But it's also just a straight-up slasher film, and uh, it, it doesn't fall into those stereotypes. And, you know, one of the films that played opening night, and I think it's playing again, Color Out of Space, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tommy Chong, yes. uh, cannabis icon, has a role in it where he's actually uh, portrayed as very sage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's coming back around, too. I, I actually did an interview with Tommy Chong about... Um, color out of space and I was asking him the same thing you guys are asking me you know changing perceptions man he is so philosophical about it mm-hmm. he, he he was talking about how like cannabis was the original burning bush in the desert when you know Moses talked to God and he said you know that you know for for centuries uh, it was seen as a, a key to spiritualism and you know a way to connect to higher levels of consciousness and it was only um, you know in the 19th century 20th century as a as a a way to persecute groups of people um, that the government kind of demonized marijuana first with uh, uh, Mexicans specifically calling it marijuana is actually a bit of a microaggression. I don't know if you've noticed, I try to use the word cannabis Uh, calling it marijuana uh, uh, suggests that it's coming from South of the border suggests that it's of a a specific ethnicity and it's really not, Um, you know, especially in California. I mean, we're probably sending more, uh, cannabis to Mexico <laughs> than the other way around at this point. Um, so yeah, I like to talk about cannabis. As, I slip up and say marijuana all the time too. I, I don't call people out on it or anything, but yeah, I absolutely think the stigma is changing. And you know, now that a few episodes of my show have come out, uh, I'm finding it's easier to talk to people about. It. I've got more people coming to me wanting to be guests instead of me trying to twist Reach people's out. arms right. to get them on. So and and so on talking about your show, it sounds like you do a little bit of like a sommelier action, like finding good pairings, right? Absolutely, because that's the that's the key of it. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't want to show something that's going to make you paranoid and then put on the strangers, you know. Right, right. So, like, <laughs> w- w- in your experience, what has been one of your like favorite types of combinations, like a specific strain or a st- uh, effect, and a specific type of movie? Yeah, I mean that's the thing, you know. If, if you really do want to just have like a, a fun time. 
you're going to smoke a nice light sativa and watch a comedy or uh, something that skirts the line, like maybe drag me to hell or something like that. But if you do want to have a freak out, well, I can recommend something for that, too. I'm going to give you, like, the deepest, <laughs> dankest indica you can, and then I'm going to make you watch Martyrs or Terrifier. <laughs> oh, God. Or, you know, oh, God. You know, oh. I'll do that, too, because sometimes that's what you want. I mean, yeah, we're, no, we're, yeah, we're thrill seekers. We're adrenaline junkies, and maybe you want something that's going to make you feel like you're having a panic attack while you're watching a movie. I mean, you know, wh- whatever floats your boat. Man, do you have to pay extra for that? My <laughs> God, that's even just... Without the weed, just those kind of films in and them themselves mm-hmm. are numbing and terrifying. Good Lord. Well, and even Genius mentioned before, back in the day, when you saw cannabis, when you saw weed, when you saw marijuana, typically whoever was imbibing it was about to die. It mm-hmm. was that was signpost form. And now, and I, I don't think it was probably the first, but I remember Cabin in the Woods. Oh, I love that, Marty. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It, it turns out that the stereotypical stoner is actually the most insightful, the most perceptive. Yes. Uh, has the best moral compass. <laughs> uh, you know, survives. Totally, totally. And, you know, when we were talking about the show, you know, and I'm telling them, you know, look, I don't want to be a character, you know, talking about ways that I wanted cannabis be, to be portrayed. I actually talked about the Cabin in the Woods, you know, it was like. It's funny, but it's also really smart, and that's yeah. what I yeah. want Chronic Horror to be. Now, and I, ultimately, it's definitely transitioning that way. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any actually favorite kind of representations of that in film? Do you have if like, and actually, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Who is kind of a guest you're looking at right now? If you could actually reach out to someone, someone that you would want to sit down and talk with to have that ultimate conversation on cannabis, movies, culture. Right now, who would you reach out to? I mean, Tommy Chong Tommy is, Chong is, is, is a given. Yeah. You know, but you know that that we'll have to see. It's funny because people ask or people when they hear I have a show, they say funny things like, "You should get Snoop Dogg on," and it's like, "Well, duh, I should get Snoop Dogg." <laughs> right? Do you have his number for me? Because I can't call him up and ask him. Um, but no, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and some some fantasy guests would definitely be um, uh, Tommy Chong. Um, you know. Um, Kind of blanking out because I, I have been talking to some people ah. who I, I, I don't want to jinx it. I don't Understood. want to jinx it. Understood. But, um, you know, what I'm really looking for, because I, I've had different types of guests. I have guests who uh, smoke cannabis occasionally who maybe haven't smoked cannabis in years. And I have smoked guests. I've had guests who really smoke cannabis. So <laughs> those shows are, are really exciting. So what I think I'm looking for are the most popular recognizable names who are the most deeply into cannabis smoking. I'd like to meet someone who thinks that they can smoke me under the table. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be my ideal guess. Now here's the better. If they were going to make a strain for uh, chronic horror, what would it be? It's so funny you ask that because that's a goal. Oh no! I want to have <laughs> I want to have a strain of weed called Chronicora, and I'll tell you exactly what it'd be. Oh, oh perfect! Perfect. It's going to be an indica sativa hybrid, so it's going to be a nice mix, something that will definitely like put you in the couch a bit, but will also stimulate your mind. Sometimes when you watch a movie a second or third time on cannabis, you see things you didn't notice. Mm-hmm. It's also <laughs> going to have a citrus aroma. Uh, because I want to be able to say it's blood orange flavored. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, bravo. Uh, so, you know, I, I've actually, you know, there are so many growers and dispensaries um, in California that that is one of the ultimate goals is to have a strain called chronic horror um, that could be specific to a, a specific dispensary or delivery service. Or it can just be part of, you know, become part of the, the nomenclature. You know, people can, you know... Um, 
uh, uh, splice it and make hybrids, and you know, Chronic Horror will just become part of uh, uh, someone's rotation. Marijuana, mm-hmm. yeah, part, yeah. Of, part of part of uh, the cannabis uh, collective. You know, the mixing of strains and everything make a little contribution like that. Yeah, it's funny you ask because that is one of our ultimate goals to well, have a strain of weed called Chronic Horror. I'm hoping I didn't jinx it by any means. No way, on that. no way. But now, one thing that also that you've been doing here at Panic Fest is you hosted the short film showcases. All three of them, I believe. I did. It was five hours of short films. It was it was awesome. Any standouts at this point? You know, I'm really loving uh, the Haunting of Pottersville. I, I don't remember the director's name off the top of my head, but it was fantastic. And, you know, what I love so much about Short films is a good short film uh, gives you the full experience of an mm-hmm. entire feature film in a condensed amount of time. And in this day and age, uh, a lot of short films actually serve as proof of concept yep. for larger films. I mean, I could name a half dozen films that started off as short films, Lights Out, Excision, um, uh, The Stylist right oh, yeah. now yeah. is a short film yep. that's being made into a feature film. So, you know, I look at these and I'm like, you know, which ones of these are ripe for expansion? Which one of these have these implied mythologies? And I just love them all. You know, what I really liked about um, Haunting of Pottersville was that it was really scary. I think um, because of the medium, because it's short, because it's punchy, comedy works really well in shorts. And you see that a lot. Um, But this was a supernatural horror kind of on on the caliber of, you know, the Conjuring Mm. universe. Um, uh, great location. Um, the director says he's working on a full script, and I would just love to see what comes of it. So, you know, if you're going to festivals, if you search out films online, look for The Haunting of Pottersville because I think it's just amazing. Nice. nice. Well, and that's always kind of one of the highlights for a lot of people is the short film showcase at mm-hmm. Panic Fest, and it's mm-hmm. always been expanding, and I'm glad we were able to bring you in for that. Um, so, again, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, but um, sure. ultimately, thank you for taking the time to mm-hmm. come out for Panic Fest number one, taking the time and talk us here. Uh, Dread Central, Chronic Horror, again, where can everyone find that on social media? Well, you know, uh, dreadcentral.com. Social media, uh, there's Chronic Horror on Facebook, there's Chronic Horror on Twitter, and there's Chronic Horror on Instagram. Um, You know, I've been a little dormant on those right now because I'm really, really waiting for the new episodes to come out and blow everyone's mind. I I love all the episodes I've done so far, but these four coming up are going to be insane. And the episode with Sadie Katz is going to go viral, I guarantee it. So when that comes out, it's going to be a whole different story. Things are really going to take off. We'll be looking forward to it, man. man. Thank you so much for taking the time, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks Thanks for coming to Panic Fest, dude. All right. Good times. So until our next little dispatch is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll continue to panic. We are back in the vendor loft of doom. Genius McGee still lone wolfing it here at the Panic Film Festival 2020, and I am having a fucking ball and seeing some crazy movies. Now, the problem with Panic Fest is there's a lot of Sophie's choices that you have to make here in the Panic Fest. You definitely are wise to create yourself a schedule and a spreadsheet. And so when I was doing that, I was looking up uh, the movies, uh, the titles, and there were some cool ones. There was like Swallow and the Swerve and then like a Vice Guide to Bigfoot. But there was one title and one picture that just stuck out like a wonderful sore thumb. 
and I was like, I want to see more about this movie because it sounds crazy. With the name Uncle Peckerhead, you really don't know what you're going to get. And I went in totally blind, totally um, not knowing what to expect. And did I have the best fucking time in this movie. This movie, first of all, listeners, you know that if a movie opens up with The Simpsons reference, I am 100% down. Um, And it just gets crazier and crazier from there um i am extremely lucky to be joined with a lot of the cast and crew um matt lawrence who is the producer the writer and the director wiki mendoza who's the co-producer and a production assistant uh, production designer and uncle fucking peckerhead himself david littleton howdy <laughs> guys thank you so much to coming on the show um but before we get started please Plug and promote away any of your social medias that you have. All right. Well, uh, on Instagram, it's Uncle Peckerhead. Um, and on uh, the Twitter, it is Young Bull. It's not really an official Uncle Peckerhead uh, account, but it is all things Uncle Peckerhead. Um, and my personal uh, uh, Instagram is Kid Dynamat. So instead of Kid Dynamite, it's Matt. Uh, Wiki, hit us. Hi, um, sure, you can find me on social media. My handle is wiki, W-I-C-K-Y, M-D-O-Z-A. Wiki Mendoza. And you can find me roaming the mean streets of Brooklyn late at night, uh, (laughs) because I'm a Luddite, and I'm not really on social media. (laughs) But you can find me and say hello if you do. I should also say we have our production company website, uh, subtletrex.com, and also unclepeckerhead.com, which just funnels you back to Subtle T-Rex. And that has like projects coming up, tour dates with uh, with the film, uh, press, and all good things, Peckerhead and and beyond. Fantastic. Um, so I was reading the description of this movie, and it was like um, things can be bad for a punk band on tour, especially when the roadie is a cannibalistic hillbilly. So, first of all, that sounds insane. Um, but your move, the movie is so much more than that. It is. There's a lot of heart. There's extremely, extremely humorous, humorous, funny, like I'm laughing out loud moments. And the gore is just beyond just not only it's extremely bloody, but there's a lot of shit thrown all over the place. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) literally, literally. Where in the fuck did you come up with this idea? Oh, man. Um, So I I've always been in bands uh, growing up. And uh, when I finished college, I was in a band and we toured for for like two years and released a record and stuff like that. And we were the type of band that that is depicted in this film where you know you're eating shoelaces and sleeping in walmart parking lots uh, and barely able to make it work so i had always had these stories that i wanted to tell and a a bunch of my buddies like jeff who's in the movie has a bunch of like war stories from being on tour and uh, just like friends that have also been in bands and i was like man i want to make a movie like that and i had also been kind of uh working on this idea kind of like a like a short episodic series kind of that you'd put on uh uh, like Adult Swim, like a mm-hmm. 10, 10 to 12 minute episodes uh, and kind of doing like a 90s sitcom thing of this like redneck tweaker hillbilly that's like 60 years old. And then this group of like punk kids that have a band and he's kind of like like the Mr. Belvedere, or like the, the sage like person that gives this like weird fucked up advice to them. But somehow it works out ev- at the end of every episode. Wesley, eat your human. You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
um, so I like I had gone to like a bunch of festivals uh, with a short film I had produced and seen um, a lot of garbage. Uh, and I was like, man, I think if I take like a bunch of these things and kind of just uh, like expand on the initial like uh, like short episodic idea, I think I, I think I could have I think I have something. Um, and I wrote it pretty quickly, like wrote it within like three months, basically committed in December and we shot in June. That's crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. How long did it take to shoot? Uh, it took three weeks, and we had Sundays off, so eighteen days altogether. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and Wiki, when um, he comes up to you and he goes, "I have this idea," what were you thinking, and what made you go, "Absolutely." Um, to me, it was really the music. Uh, Matt showed me the demo. The music is dope. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, whatever. I, I, I'll read the script, but sign me up. Like, this music is so good. And mm -hmm. I would listen to it, like, on repeat all day long. And so I kind of started to imagine and to kind of, like, like to start thinking about, like, the visuals and how something like this might look. And just, like, the music is so killer. I was mm -hmm. like... I'm in. Sign me up. I should say that like, this is a good time to plug the music uh, yeah. because Jeff Riddle, who's one of the leads in the film, he plays Max. Um, <laughs> he's the best. Uh, he's he's like one of my best <laughs> friends. He's like the sweetest dude. He's been in a bunch of my short films. He's like one of the, the most dynamic, energetic, like just like hilarious, hilarious, beautiful human beings you're ever going to meet. And he's an amazing musician. Like he's played in The Holy Mess, a bunch of like kind of like touring legit punk bands over the years. And I had been talking with him about this idea and he really wanted to do it. And he's like, man, I'm going to demo some songs and like, let's start this process. And this is even at, like before I, I, I really had a decent draft of the script. Mm -hmm. So he sent the music and that was, I should say that was like the biggest selling point for, for friends that I was trying to convince to do it for like wiki to do it for free and to basically like, Hey, bust your ass and have this thankless, like many positions on set. Um, same thing with a lot of people. And the thing that sold it were, was, it wasn't the script so much as people listened to the music and they were like, holy shit, this is a real band. It totally was a fucking great thing. I'm sitting there watching the movie and my foot is tapping and my head is oh, like, yeah. and like, so, and there's like kind of a running joke in the movie where like, do you have any like duh demos? <laughs> and that's why I asked at the, uh, at yeah, the yeah, Q and A yeah. because like, I legit want to hear that music again. Like the music is killer. Yeah. I mean, we want to, we want to do like a physical media release of like, whether it, like duh demo tapes, uh, like a like a like a vinyl LP of one side all the duh songs and then on the other side our score, um, yeah we want to do something with that music because yeah yeah are you guys in and I'll get to Peckerhead in a minute but are you like are you guys like in bands or with like the punk scene because you said you were in band before and did some touring because it opens up based on a true story yeah so like <laughs> aside from like the cannibalistic hillbilly I'm sure a lot of that shit does go down because yeah. like so like. Tell us some more about the music about aspect. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I'm not in a band currently, but that's that's like what I did from like basically age 15 to probably like almost 30 is I'd been in like a bunch of bands, not, like not at any level of like Jeff is like like I would consider him to be a touring musician. Mm -hmm. I was a kid that was just like plugging away like and we'd go for like, you know, a couple weeks at a time. Um, but yeah, like a lot of the stories in it, like without giving like too many away, like like there's there's like moments when you know like you bust your ass to get to the venue and they say you have to be here at this time and then you get there at that time and then they make you wait three hours no one shows up to the fucking venue and then you know you play your heart out it seems like there's like a couple dozen people there and then they pay you literally two dollars and you're like how are we going to be able to afford gas how are we able how are we able to eat tonight like that type of stuff because 
um, you don't have like a record backing, you don't have like a tour manager or like a company kind of booking your tour. Um, so it's miserable and it's like, it's not fun. And you're, you're, you're just kind of like plugging away at something where you just kind of like self doubt yourself every single second of every moment. Not unlike making movies. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, <laughs> yeah the two mirror each other. So were you in a band or into the music scene or? Yeah, I've, I've been in a lot of fake bands. Um, we've never, we never went on tour, but um, I hang out with like a lot of musicians and I've definitely, I'm there like helping unload and load. So I'm very familiar with what that scene is like. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I play guitar, I play keyboards, um, but I've never been in a real band. A lot, of, a lot of fake bands that, you know, you just do it for fun and you put the music yeah. on MySpace. Is that still around? <laughs> <laughs> and I should say like, uh, where we shot some of the movie House of Independence, which is in Asbury Park. And Asbury Park is kind of this like big booming music scene. Uh, Springsteen got his like start there. Um, but it has like a great, uh, a, a great like punk scene. And my brother who runs that venue is uh, like a, a promoter in Asbury Park. So he was able to get us like a ton of the venues. And like we have kind of like, uh, you know, like like people in the crowd that are in like bands that are kind of established. One of the metalheads is in one of my favorite like New Jersey punk bands called School Drugs. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's just like kind of like packed with kind of like music people. So there's like musical Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. David, were you into punk before this? And if are you now or are you like, eh? I I don't know that I would call myself a punk. Um, no, I mean, I like music with an edge, but I don't know if I like that much of an edge. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little too suburban for that. But um, I, I do have to say, like, the, the music, again, is so good, even for somebody who, who doesn't come from that background, that uh, I would have these songs, like, playing in my head you know the way any earworm does mm -hmm. like days after we would shoot like a, a particular sequence I would still be thinking of that I mean it was amazing like that's one thing that you know beyond like using it as a selling point to get people to work on on the film uh, like after we'd shoot uh, like a scene or a sequence where one of the songs is played like like it we I'd hear an AC like during the lunch during our like lunch break like singing the song or like a PA like kind of be talking or to Jeff and be like that lyric is I I fucking love that lyric, yeah. dude. Yeah. Or the, yeah. the extras would be yeah. like, when we would break to eat, they'd all be like singing, singing or humming yeah. in line. Yeah, it was yeah, so great. Songs. Judy is great. Oh, my God, yeah. The the actress, I mean, the whole, the, the chemistry yeah. between everybody and chemistry with you. So, like, we open, you open up the scene with the back shot of you david ripping the jaw off somebody and eating something and then it goes into like simpsons references <laughs> so like it starts off like hardcore like you think you're gonna see like the green room meets like texas chainsaw massacre and you kind of do yeah but not that mean you know yeah uncle peckerhead could have been like a very one note dimensional character but you brought so much like niceness and kindness and menace behind it that you did a phenomenal job what was uh, your like yeah i thoroughly enjoyed in fact like you scared me at the preview for a minute because you guys were coming down for the q a and then we just watched this movie and it was just <laughs> after the part where you no spo no, i'm not, not spoiling but at the very end where it's like ooh, maybe part two type thing and you walk in, I'm like, holy shit, it's Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right there. Right? I'm like, ah, what time is it? Making sure it's not close to midnight. What, what attached, what made you want to say, like, okay, yeah, I'm your Peckerhead? Well, 
a lot of uh, a lot of it is right there in the script. I mean, um, it, it's it's not written as a, a one note character, and uh, and he generally does love the music. Like he he generally wants to be a part of this scene, and he mm-hmm. does it for free, you know. And it's not so much about just like staying under the radar and and getting by, uh, supporting his cannibal ways, but. Um, like he loves these guys and and he wants them to succeed and when people treat them shitty you know he uh he takes that to heart so you know it's it's this kind of cannibal with a heart of gold kind of thing um so yeah i mean it was all there uh on paper as soon as i uh i i was when they were holding auditions i was out of town i was doing a play down in florida and I was actually doing another hillbilly kind of character. And so I kind of just felt like primed. And also, I'm just a huge horror fan. Like, I'm not just like a, a dilettante. Like, yeah. I fucking love horror movies. So, uh, yeah, as soon as I, I saw the, the scene and uh, when we had the final audition and I really met everyone and, and just the energy in the room was so good. Uh, yeah, I would have. I I'd do it again for free, you know. And I should say, like David's so nice and saying it's on the page, but in reality, like uh, we had we had done a couple of casting sessions where we had seen like a few dozen people, um, and everyone did it one note. Like it felt very like hack, very hammy, very like, and it, the movie's over the top. But that character just felt like not because I really wanted him to have like sweetness, to have mm-hmm. heart, to like to really like as David said, like he loves them and he wants to be part of this family. Because he, because he is this kind of isolated loner type, um, and so like after I think it was our second or our third casting session, no one even close. Like I, like our my producers were like, we have to move on this. Like if we're gonna do this in June, we need Peckerhead, and that's like, and I'm like, we definitely have. Not, I have not seen him, and around that time, David, I David had sent in uh, his video submission, and I think it was after the second or the third one, uh, one of my producers was like, uh, hey, I think. I think I, I think this guy's pretty good. Take a look. And there were three of us in that room and we watched it and I was like, we have to get this guy up here. Like yeah. this is, I think this is the guy. I just want to see him face to face. I want to see him with, uh, with the other cast members. Um, cause by that time I'm pretty sure we had had, uh, uh, Chet who plays Judy, who, like you said, I mean, amazing. And, mm-hmm. uh, Ruby who plays Mel, who's amazing. And Jeff had been the longest person attached to it. Um, but once David came in the room, like immediately, like you look him in the eye and he has this, like this sweet disposition. Um, but he also can fucking act, which like, (laughs) which is like something where like he could, I mean, David's the type of person where like he can just like jump, jump in and be, be in it and just do it in like two takes. Cause like making a film on, on a micro budget, you have no time. So like, you know, your AD whispers in your ear, like we're out in 10 minutes. We are, we have to be, out. if you want to finish this scene, this next scene by, by the time everyone has to wrap, we have to be out. So you, you don't tell David, but you're like, okay, like let's go. And then he nails it the first time and you're like, fucking thank God. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I would say also is like uh, other characters like refer to him as a monster and, and I mean, he thing. like, and he doesn't think of himself like he's just yeah. a guy who's trying yeah. to get by who has this issue, you know, mm-hmm. like an addict or yeah, something. And totally. so, so he's, you know, when he's not a monster, he's really doing his best to kind of make up for yeah. to to endear himself to yeah. to people. So, you know, he's not a bad guy. He just has this 
condition. Right. He's a, a, a monster's guardian angel. Because yeah. <laughs> and that, and that's how and I like the way that's how you played it. Yeah. Um. Because like you said, like it, it could have been just really mean and not funny and just hardcore. But there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of humor. Um. Did you guys have a ball on the set? Because oh. it looks like you guys did. You know yeah. when you can when you see a movie and it's like. I bet that was a fun set to work on because the fun comes out in the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll let you guys say something, but just for me, I mean, I, like on my side, it is like not a fun experience. It's fun to work with the actors. It's fun to collaborate with certain people that inspire you, like my cinematographers or, or Wiki, who did wardrobe and production design. Um, but largely, like you're just like burning money and you're scared that you're not going to get it done and they're just like obstacle after obstacle but the the thing that really brings you joy is seeing everyone else hang, having a good time like the actors uh like toured in the van they like went to set together in the van uh like everyone that worked on it took like a pay cut or was working for a deferred payment so they were doing it out of the love and they were just like pleasant beautiful people to have on set so it was largely fun in in that like to watch it was like such a joy because I think I would have like been sent way over the edge had there not been just this like kind of beautiful chemistry amongst like cast and crew alike. But sorry, go ahead. No, definitely. Um, I mean, working with a small budget, you're always going to be super stressed and very scared that something's going to like break and then you won't be able to move forward. So there's definitely that. But I think what made it to to your point, what made it really satisfying is that everybody was so lovely. Every like the camera department, um, just like everybody who was on set was so like happy to be there and so at the end of the day after like working your butt off for hours um you like go you try to go to bed and then like the the nice memories of the day start to surface and that's what really keeps you going day after day and then when the shoot was over i was so depressed yeah and i really missed everybody and it's one of those things that while you're going through it you're like oh my god i'm like this is gonna kill me and then when it's over you just want to do it immediately again it's like the holidays yeah Yeah. that post-christmas depression yeah yeah Yeah, it, it was kind of like summer camp in a way um, and afterwards, it was just like, where's my family? Yeah. And it's also really nice because you get to like not pay attention to the rest of the world. You're really mm-hmm. like isolated for three weeks. And that's all you know. And these are your people. Um, so afterwards, you, you're just like, oh, reality sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was nice for us, uh, I think, for the four main actors is we did spend a lot of time together. But, you, you know, these projects happen and and you build these little families and sometimes the family is like dysfunctional and sometimes the family is healthy and you know cool and after i think the first like day or maybe second day when you when you saw like everybody knew their shit like matt was able to run the set in such a way that uh we were getting all the shots that we needed the camera guys were fantastic like yeah. i would have done anything they said yeah. like even, shout out to kyle and mike yeah, no yeah. matter how counterintuitive it might have seemed like like you look at the monitor and you you see what they're capturing and they just did beautiful beautiful work so when when you're in a you know when you land in this position and and you find that you can trust all the people around you then absolutely then you can yeah. have fun you can just like let go and makes things easier yeah. absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so the cast, uh, the cast 
Peckerhead especially included was all phenomenal extra funny um, now the other bandmates are they in a band as well Oh, uh, so like Chet, who plays Judy, uh-huh. and Ruby, who plays Mel. No, the the most amazing thing and the reason why they are like amazing actresses is uh, when we were casting it. Initially, I was like, I want. I I started looking at, at women that had played in bands or play in bands, and some of them were interested, and some of them were really great. But some of like they were either going on tour, or they would have a show where they'd have to take off a day, and we couldn't afford to like kind of like do that type of scheduling. So finally, I was like, maybe I should just go like completely comedic and just look for actresses that I that I thought could handle the comedic moments and then maybe we'll train they can be like they can learn mm-hmm. how to play these these instruments and that's the that's where we went is I reached out like I think we reached out to Chet because I had seen her she's like a UCB um, performer and has been in like a bunch of funny skits and I was like she could be great so we made kind of like a list of some some women that I thought were really funny and New York City based so like we wouldn't have to fly them in um, so she came in and she read and she killed it and we were like do you, do you have any musical like uh, ability and she said no so I got her my bass guitar. Jeff, who played guitar and is in the band, like did videos of like this is how you play these songs, and she learned how to play them. Oh, nice. The same thing with Ruby. Ruby had no experience playing the drums. I like we the production paid for her drum lessons for like a month, and she came in and like she's actually playing the drums, which wow. is like amazing. Yeah, I mean like some of it is like the magic of editing, but I would mm-hmm. say for the most part, like both of them could play like 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 large pockets of those songs like perfectly yeah wow yeah. that makes things a lot <laughs> <Yeah>. easier <laughs> it was amazing yeah yeah i mean they, they were amazing super 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 always on point one more cast member i yeah. want to talk about the leader of the other band yes <laughs> shiloh Such a dude. Oh, he wanted to hate him so i kind of wish uncle peckerhead just took that nose ring and so not only was his character but his costuming and like the hair there was a small there was a small point and it cracked me up when he like (laughs) and he just like touches his mohawk and i'm like oh it's sharp and i'm like god such a douche my Uh, lyrics are deeper than most people uh is he based on a true story? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean he's he's every insufferable like asshole you fucking meet mm-hmm. that like is a lead singer of a band. Like you're you're like Jared Leto, thirty seconds to Mars type of douche. Uh, <laughs> I hope I don't hey, have to work with Jared Leto ever. Uh, What's up, Jared? Uh, but, but the most amazing thing about Shiloh, so that he's played by Ryan Conrath, who is who is our unit production manager. So, and he's also like the, the Ryan has been in every movie I've ever made since I was like twenty six years old. He's my like he's my like kind of partner in crime. He's been in everything. Sometimes he's the lead. Sometimes he's like just kind of like an important side character. Um, but like even that, it, like he's just like the type of person where you don't even have to communicate anymore. Like you're just like, here it is. I know you know who this is. <laughs> Here's like a couple of like reference videos, but just be be who you think this is. Because he always like Ryan is like like Jeff uh, like just friends that you hang around and they're just playful. So they'll just start playing a character. So he had this like pretentious philosopher character he used to do. And I was like, yeah, let's just kind of like tweak that and just be this like, yeah, this insufferable tool. He even walks like a dick. <laughs> he walks like a dickhead. Yeah. I think that's, that's my jeans. favorite character. And what I really love about it is that it really 
so the movie's like happening and then um, his character gets introduced kind of like halfway through and it really brings this like fresh new energy mm -hmm. um, to the movie and then it's like hell yeah like this is like <laughs> another part of the the tour yeah um, it just feels so fresh and he's just such an asshole and I love him <laughs> I think if there's a blooper reel like 90% of us are, are just laughing laughing at Ryan yeah because yeah. you just you can't hold it in because he's just so yeah. hysterical so you could totally have like the cannonball run uh, credits. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Of us just <laughs> laughing at Ryan and his nose ring. Did you freak anybody out in your peckerhead makeup? Did you like, yeah, let's go for lunch and like, uh, I'm in the mood for ribs, you know, yeah. or something? Yeah. yeah, we did that a couple times. Uh, I mean, the the first day we di we did it, just people on set were, were freaked out. Yeah, because David's such like a, like an incredibly sweet person and just like is so warm and. Like, especially, I think it was, like, the first week we really didn't have any, like, effects or any type of, like, makeup stuff. So, like, everyone just gets to know this generally sweet human being both on and off set because Peck's sweet when he's not in that mode. Um, and then, like, once that makeup's on, people are just f fucking freaked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, same thing when, when the band members are covered in blood and shit and you're going into, like, Wawa to get a sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, what oh, is going like shit. on? <laughs> But the very last day, we're, we were, like, wandering around the, the ramp to the New Jersey oh Parkway. And just, like, putting out a, a thumb for the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Go we ahead, shot um, the, the murder scenes in my apartment in Brooklyn. And so I had to go. <laughs> Explaining yes. that to the neighbors must have been yeah, fun. Yeah, so I, I went downstairs and I knocked on, on the door and I was like, hey, uh, just FYI, we're going to be shooting a movie and they're going to be murder scenes. So you're going to hear a lot of screaming. And they're like, sure. <laughs> got <laughs> sure, it. Thank got you. it. Got it. And so, yeah. Alibi. <laughs> and then after the shoot, like we're bringing in, like uh, bringing out like bloody mattresses and like <laughs> buckets of uh, one was labeled like thick poop. <laughs> and another one was like vomit and um one of my neighbors just like took a photo and he put it on twitter and he was like what the fuck are my <laughs> there goes the neighbor <laughs> <laughs> and it really looked like a murder scene and then we had we figured that we should probably cover the mattress and like be a little more discreet with what we were up to <laughs> um but yeah i i remember like going into the room um where we shot the the I'm not going to ruin it, but the one of siege, the murder scenes. Yeah, one of the <laughs> and I remember getting like, it was my first time seeing practical effects like this. And I was just like, oh my God, and seeing David. I was so creeped out. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. Uh, everything. I think that you made it so fun. That movie, this movie is 100% fun. It's the kind of movie that I think people are like, man, you need to see this movie. It's hilarious. And like, I think it's, it's, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Genius McGee recommended. Stamped, double stamped, and claimed. Oh, man. Thank um, you. Cool. What's next for the Peckerhead crew? Um, what's next is we have a bunch of stuff we're looking to get off the ground. So we have a spiritual sequel to the uh, Uncle Peckerhead universe that puts Duh in a completely new situation, but it invites everyone back. Nice. That was a, that was a part of it. So I'm hoping to, to get that made sometime, someday. Um, I have a much bigger project that th it was kind of the project that I've been working on for years before Peckerhead. Um, that's like a, a weird, like I always hate saying like meta kind of like self-aware horror movie because sometimes those can be really insufferable and like dumb. Even walks uh, like a dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that's one that like I'd love to do. Like we had uh, like before this had like a couple of like decent name actresses attached and we're just trying to like leverage it into something. So I'm hoping to get back into that. 
I have a bunch of ideas, dude. Yeah. I could go all day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would love to see the further adventures of Duh and or Uncle Peckerhead. Because, like, yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed your movie. Yeah. So, one more time, where can we find all news, Peckerhead, and you guys on the socials? SubtleTRex.com, Uncle Peckerhead on Instagram, Young Bull on Twitter, UnclePeckerhead.com, and that'll bring you right back to the Subtle T-Rex website. <laughs> and Wiki Mendoza, <laughs> Wiki M-D-O-Z-A, on Twitter and Instagram. Nothing. Grinder, grinder, asleep in a van before midnight. Just asleep in a van in Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, that's going to do it for this installment of the Panic Express Dispatch. We got a lot more fun stuff coming up, um, and definitely check it out. A lot of cool things coming up here at Panic Fest. So until then, this is Genius McGee, and I'll be back. (laughs) 